0: This podcast is sponsored by Terraform Development proudly supports the Hopi tribe and non-profit Hopi entities to provide essential technical support in engineering, architectural, and project management services. Eddie Niptua can relate to the hard work on the Hopi reservation, including the cornfield duties and traditional ceremonies that he was raised on. He values this tradition, so Terraform Development was formed to meet these needs on the Hopi reservation. Contact Terraform Development at TERRA the number four O R M and follow them on Instagram at Terraform Development. Also sponsored by
1: Hey, Tom here with Hopi Relief. Hopi Relief is a nonprofit organization based down here in the valley, where we are providing much needed supplies to the Hopi Reservation during this COVID-19 pandemic and beyond. Please visit HopiRelief.org and find out how you can get involved. Hopi Relief is also an Arizona-recognized charitable tax organization. And please, visit us December 1st on Giving Tuesday. Thank you. are now listening to the Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. I'm your host, the 20-star diamond chef, Carl, and with me is the lonely guy that lives
0: with his wife, J-Man. What's going on out there? (laughs) Everyone's probably wondering, is today uh, an upside-down day? (laughs) How did you like my intro? <laughs> you got the guy that uh, would rather watch Saturday morning cartoons <laughs> than work on his cornfield. Hey, introduction. I, I watch it because I work hard at the cornfield. And then he got the five star, five diamond chef sitting on the bench. If you did listen
1: to my intro, I'm the 20 star diamond chef. I believe it goes all the way up to 20 stars and I'm maxed out. And you also forgot that I am the godfather of Hopi Podcasting. (laughs) Well, I'm the god of this whole thing here. You'll still be the the priest to answer my calls.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And we're back with uh, a new episode. Yeah, we're back with a new episode. Hello again, guys. Hello again, everybody's out there. Hope you're all doing well. We got some snow out here. On Hopi land, and so you know, both you and I are kind of freezing our balls off in the uh, the studio. Yeah, it is. It is really cold here. Really cold here. But you know, uh, definitely, I want to give a big shout out to every, all of our listeners out there. Uh, this last week was our most successful week on the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. We had was. the most downloads over a period of a single week. So thank you, everybody out there. All right. Well, thank you. Let me give you guys a clap there. Give you all a clap out there and definitely special thanks to all of our 30 pack sponsors. Big shout out to all of our sponsors out there. Also to supporting the podcast. Big shout outs to those of you that purchase shirts. For those of you that don't know, we do have shirts for sale at Carl and Jman.bigcartel.com. And then uh, shout out to all of the folks out there buying us coffee. Definitely all of your support is helping us to expand and grow.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it, thank you, everybody, for doing that because it does help us out with uh, with with all of the merchandise and keeping us on the air for you guys to listen to. And it uh, keeps us out of trouble. Keeps us. Keeps Carl out of
0: trouble. Keeps him <laughs> busy got him in his uh, little lab out at his home in Hot cooking up all of the YouTube channel oh, episodes, yeah. cooking up all of the podcast episodes. But today we got a very special topic today. And then we also have a special guest. Oh yeah, we do have a
1: special guest.
0: We have a special guest today in the studio and then we'll bring her on and she'll introduce herself. But today's episode, we're definitely going to cover a topic, something that we've kind of covered to a little bit to an extent with our matrilineal uh, society episode. Yeah, But this one we definitely want to cover the topic of uh women in leadership well leadership women yeah the reason why is because march is
1: women's appreciation right oh really yeah march is the the month of women's
0: appreciation (laughs) it shows you what kind of man i am (laughs) really hearing about that today but definitely i think that you know the the uh the reason or or the reasonings behind this episode comes from this term that you hear often this term uh bless the matriarchy oh yeah have you heard that term before bless the matriarchy yeah where do you where have you heard that where where do you see that phrase i think i've seen it on tv
1: before so i think that's the only place i've seen it on seen it on bumper stickers (laughs)
0: social media post what is,
1: but what does that t-shirts? mean what does that but mean? What does that mean? What does that exactly what does that mean? Well I think I think what it means is that everything that a woman has is that we're supposed to be forth with that, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Is that am I going in the right direction with that? I don't know.
0: Let me lead you to uh, the the good lens, young boy. All right, go ahead. And so, you know this term matriarchy, what it refers to, it refers to sometimes it can refer to societies that put women in leadership roles. Yeah, it refers to uh, basically that women in leadership roles. And so I think that the reason why, You see that phrase so prevalent these days is because, you know, we live in the society of um, The Me Too movement We live in the society Especially on reservations in American Indian communities We live in the society where we preach things like decolonization We preach things like, you know Giving those that have always had the smaller voice A bigger voice You know, oftentimes uh, people of color and women Yeah, I I just said that (laughs) (laughs) I must have misinterpreted you, but you know, that's, that's, that's kind of where where that term comes from. And then, so, you know, you see, you hear that conversation often about matriarchs, about matriarchal societies. And I think a lot of that conversation, definitely you hear in the urban areas. Yeah. Because I think that, you know, we've definitely talked a lot about the differences between the urban perspective and the reservation perspective. And the fact that a lot of folks out in the urban areas have access to more education or better education. So in a sense, you know, the understanding what the place of women used to be for certain indigenous communities, for certain American Indian communities, and the fact that when you think about leadership, whether that's at a tribal level, a city level, state level, definitely at the national level, it's dominated by men.
1: Yeah, I I mean, you know, like, because you know, both you and I, we we grew up with women, you know, you have a mother, I have a mother, grandmother, and They always taught us to respect women in a way where it's because they're the ones who uh, bring life into this world. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And they're the ones who own the land and they're the ones who create uh, the different types of laws within a household or a community because of them. Without them, we wouldn't have these structures like that. But then when it comes into like the power of uh like governmental power or power within the different societies here on hopi then it becomes a a different topic there it does it
0: does and so like when you think about like the hopi perspective yeah of uh the matriarch or matriarchy that we definitely do give power to women oh yeah that women are hold some sort of power whether that's and we've talked about this at links in other episodes that women do own the land yes they do that they own the homes that folks live in that they own um any type of corn squash beans melon that's cultivated and grown by the men folk, and when once that's handed over to the women, then that becomes their property as well. Yeah, exactly. It's
1: it's basically they're they're like we're the slaves to them, but when it comes to a different power, then it sort of reverses in that way. <laughs> I was going to say, to a degree, some to of a them degree. own our souls
0: too. <laughs> Thank God, not for me. So. I don't know man. I think Soul's got her name on a <laughs> contract that I saw that said
1: Carl Soul somewhere. Pretty much. I there's a shirt that's going around and it says Souls I'm so thinks I'm cool, but <laughs>
0: But, you know, and and so like with that, with, with our perspective of how women, what the places that women hold on the reservation within our traditional villages and then within our traditional um, contexts. And then I think that now you kind of see the rise of women in different areas Uh of, you know, holding leadership positions. And so what's your perspective on women being leaders?
1: Well, you know, they're in the Hopi society. There, there are different uh, s- social groups or societies that that we have here on the reservation, and most and all of them are created by men or led by men. Or led by men. There, there is one society that is uh, led by women, mm-hmm. and it was because they wanted to be. In that power, they wanted to have that same power,
0: so they created their their own society there. Their own women's society. Yeah, their own women's society, and and so this group of societies that is within our villages, that's within that's intertwined with our religions, intertwined with our culture. The fact that you have a women's society that some Hopis would argue that the creation of that women's society was the first civil rights movement. Pretty much back in the, uh, I don't know, the 1400s, yeah, some around there. Whenever that society was created, (laughs) the fact that at some point women saw men enjoying themselves in the Kiva, (laughs) having escaped from their wives and said that, hey, we want that too. We (laughs) We want to get tired of our husbands too. (laughs) We want to get away from y'all. I want to dress like you too. <laughs> I want to wear men's dancing clothes <laughs> and you know be able to dance in the so village. Those, those shoes look really comfortable there. <laughs> yeah, I want to show my <laughs> knees,
1: <laughs> I want to show my knee, my ankles a little <laughs> bit more.
0: And so that's that's kind of an example, you know, I guess within our own culture, within our own communities to where women kind of did uh, grab for something more than what they had. And um, but, you know, I think that um, kind of I guess on a negative side in terms of the perspective on women in leadership positions from a Hopi context is that sometimes it is frowned upon. Oh, yeah. From the older folks uh, about women being in leadership positions. Why is that? I think
1: it's because... The, the, the societies that we hold here or the societies that men hold is all driven by men and the powers that have or th- you know th- that they have is that they believe that women don't think in a way that a man does mm-hmm. uh, you know where I'm I don't know women
0: don't think about 30 packs and get stuff yeah they,
1: I mean like <laughs> women don't I guess because if I if I speak on like with Mike gua, he said that women don't appreciate pro wrestling. <laughs> only men appreciate men on men. So, <laughs> but no, it's like they think uh, they think not rationally. I guess if you're talking about if you're talking in the Hopi sense that mm-hmm. they don't they don't lay out their plan first and then they just jump to conclusions. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about the, the Hopi men's society kind of thinking.
0: And then also to another perspective that I've heard before from older folks is that the fact that women are precious. Oh yeah. That the life of a woman has more value than the life of a man. And so when you think about some of those jobs back in the old days... Back in the Hisset time and the long, long ago that you think about warfare. Yeah. That you think about warriors. And that the fact that if you were going into war as a warrior, that there was a potential that you could lose your life. Yeah. And so the fact that women's life was so precious that you could restart a village if you had to with women, that you could be able to do it. But there was no way to be able to restart a village if you only had men. Yeah, that's true, and so that was kind of you know from this context that I've heard as to reason as to why women aren't warriors, as to why men hold those positions, and the same thing with hunting, that the fact that when you go hunting, especially in those old t- old days in the yeah. set time in the long long ago, that going hunting was perceived as a dangerous. A dangerous task. Yeah. Because then, you know, you weren't out there in your pickup truck and driving down (laughs) to, you know, South Rim or North Rim down in the Grand Canyon. That you're actually on foot. You're having to make this journey. And the fact that, you know, you might encounter things like uh, dangerous animals. Yeah. yeah, Bears, wolves, or even uh, encounter dangerous enemies. Yeah. While you're on your hunting trip. And so, you know, that was also another Another thing that was deemed dangerous, and as a reason as to why only men went hunting. Oh, yeah, yeah, women didn't go hunting. Yeah. And then I think entwined with that perspective is the fact that when you think about leadership, that in a way, leadership can be dangerous. Because then, like an old Hopi adage, is what they would say is that all the leaders have arrows shot at them. Because that when you're in this leadership position, that there are folks that look at leaders. Sometimes they look at them with negative attitudes. Oh yeah. That they look at them either with jealousy, or they look at them with uh, anger for maybe a leader did something that wasn't in favor of a particular person. And so, in that perspective, that these leaders have arrow shot at them, and that so in that old context, that leadership also was a position of danger. Uh-huh. And so, that was a reason as to why it was. A responsibility of men to keep women out of those leadership positions to keep them safe. Um, yeah, I guess you are,
1: in a in in the right context there. You know, it's just that I guess we as men just want to kind of protect the the opposite sex. You know, where it's like you're dainty and you smell like (laughs) you smell of flowers. And it's it's my job to it's my it's my
0: job to protect you. This
1: is 1950s. I I, I, got the
0: big muscles under all this weehoo. I swear, there's (laughs) muscles. So.
1: You know, we're, we still think in that 1950s era, you know, we still think of that in where like leave it to beaver kind of style. It's like, <laughs> leave it to <laughs> beaver. Like, you know, the women should only stay home and tend to the men when they get home from work, you know, and watch the kids. And, and I guess today it's still kind of like that. There are women that still do that here on the reservation, is that women don't, some women don't hold jobs. They just stay at home, be a housewife and, you know, tend to the children and tend to the house uh, as their daily job there. Mm -hmm.
0: And those practices definitely still exist. And I think that, you know, I did have one more kind of example about the old perspective about women in leadership. And it's a really interesting perspective, especially in this day and age where we're encouraging more of our young girls to grow and develop and you know even sit in these yeah. positions of leadership. I mean, I even have one relative who always says, you know, she, she's younger than I am. And she always says that, you know, my goal one day is to be the chairwoman of the Hopi tribe. <laughs> and, you know, it's an interesting thing because, you know, on the face of it, the fact is that you want to encourage people that oh, have yeah. such high dreams. Oh, yeah. That have those types of aspirations. But definitely I know that another perspective that I've heard in terms of this old perspective perspective, for coming from Hopi yeah. is that when women do become in le- positions of significant leadership or uh, in leadership that are significant positions, that that's a sign when the world's going to end.
1: <laughs> yeah. I've heard that, that same saying from like Gua and uh, different men in that position there is because I guess, I guess, you know, it, it, it is a whole old Hopi kind of like, pro- uh, what was it? Prophecy? That, yes, women in power uh, tend to have this more aggressiveness towards, I guess, towards the world.
0: I <laughs> yeah, kind of, you got me in a position I'm all scared to whether I'm going to agree or but, disagree with you on that. Because, you know, I live in a household full of women. But, you know, true. at least the way that I interpret it, the way I interpret that that saying I think the fact that when you think about the old old ways yeah. and the fact that men mostly held the leadership positions within Hopi villages at least that it was this idea that once women start taking over I don't think that it necessarily has anything to do with a woman's prerogative or a woman's perspective how a woman perceives the world but really what I think that that what that message says is that it's going to be a world that's upside down yeah it's going to be a world where things are out of place to a degree and so whenever that you know they came up with that concept way back when that really their society was structured specifically in a certain way
1: exactly
0: and before we
1: uh, go on we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here
0: strong ones every strong ones design has a story and a unique meaning they create designs to celebrate traditions of running and uplift native cultures across the globe. They also partner with local artists on special projects in hopes to expose talent and creativity of Hopi people. Strong ones are often referred to as Ho hohongvit in the Hopi language. They can be found at hohongvit.com. That's h-o-h-o-n-g-v-i-t.com. And we're back here. Thank you, guys. And so while Carl and I get added to the list of people to cancel through the Me Too movement, (laughs) I think now's a good time to bring in our special guest. Yeah, let's go ahead before
1: we say anything more to corrupt our uh, manliness over here. So (laughs) let's
0: go. Yeah, I (laughs) guess. In the studio, we have uh, Samantha Hanani. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Hello, everybody. I'm super excited to be here. I was like at the edge of my seat, ready to interject already and stand up for women everywhere. She was
0: ready to throw punches at me and Carl. Ready to take those swings. I
2: think they got the the, uh, darts.
0: (laughs) Well, Sam, can you uh, introduce yourself to our listeners?
2: Sure. Well... Good uh, day, everybody, uh, who are in your corner of the world. Um, I hear that your podcast is now across big waters in different countries, huh? Yeah, oh, it is. Yeah, We're international. Is. Dang. Well, um, well, I'm really happy to be here. My name is Samantha Onani from the Tobacco Clan in uh, Tewa Village, in the First vill- first Mesa Village area, and I am currently the um, voice of women everywhere, apparently. <laughs> just kidding. No, so- there's such pressure, oh, yeah. you know, to try to combat these two uh, here patriarchs uh, in the studio today. But no, just kidding. I'm here humbly representing myself, as well as um, the women who have helped to shape me and uh, grow grow me in the individual I am today. So I'm really happy to be here. Thanks.
0: Awesome. And Sam, we definitely thank you for joining us and taking time out of your busy day. And so, you know, I think that one of the reasons why, you know, we thought of you when we were talking about um, doing this topic for this episode is the fact that you do have extensive experience within leadership positions on the You Reservation and off the reservation. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, what some of those experiences are any type of mentors that you mm-hmm. look up to who are women, and also to um, what the perspectives are of younger women that you know of, because I, I know that you also have a younger daughter mm-hmm. and that you do definitely have um, ties with other younger women that are um, aiming to have uh, do big things with their lives.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, you know, I've grown, um, I think, in a balance equally here, both on the Hopi reservation and outside. I've spent a majority of my time outside of Hopi, um, going to high school and going to get my college education and then coming back. The moment I was home, I swore I would never leave. Um, That huge, just observing and, and experiencing the gap of those really teachable moments as a Hopi woman were absent for me. So I made it a point to, you know, stay here and try to, you know, catch up, play catch up. And, and I brought my daughter and raised her here um, since she was about five years old. And so she, you know, I think I, I lived vicariously through her and her dancing and her, you know, her participation in, in our culture as a, as a dancer and and so forth. So um. The contributions to my growth as a female—oh my gosh—I can contribute that to a lot of people, um, namely my soul. I'm like Carl. We we hold our soul in such grace, right? Um, she and then when she sheds that special light on you, like Carl, you know, obviously is in recipient of. <laughs> <laughs> she, you know, it, it's it's very um, it's very rewarding for us um, as females in our family because. You know, so is like the stamp of approval. And when we have her approval, it means we're doing something right. Oh, definitely. So I really revere our soul, Mary Ann. Um, she's my dad's mom. Um, so and then the other women in my family, I think every single one of them, it doesn't matter if they hold um, bigger accomplishments than the other. They are all huge, um, you know, God, golden stars for me to kind of attribute to um, even, in, even if they are younger than me. So I, I really hold them in, in such standard. Um, other individuals, um, of course, is my um, is my current um, uh, supervisor, who is Monica Navamsa. Uh She's the executive director, um, former executive director, Barbara Pulley. Uh Gosh, I think because I have such intertwined um, vested interest in our community on a very personal level and now a professional level, I have seen the work and the um, example that they laid uh, for us here on Hopi on how to approach um, not just leadership, but like community advocacy and community um, contribution work um, and empowerment work for our people, our girls here, but overall our community. So those are the two um you know, professional leaders, um, women leaders that I look up to. And then of course you have like major, um, female, um, role models from Hopi. We're very fortunate. yeah, yeah. Right. And so some of those women are like Diane Humitiwa and, um, Lori Paestiwa, you know, and, and others. So Luanne Leonard that, you know, from Heath. And so I, I don't think we're without role models here for females on Hopi. Um, and so, my biggest, I guess, part in, you know, trying to give back is to influence girls. And in doing so, I have this like motto or, you know, kind of movement called Res Girl Rising. It's just more current, um, but it's definitely a theme or a a way of being um, since I've been in the position of leadership. And I, to me, I think leadership is like, can be found in many, many different, um, parts of your everyday, you know, living. And so for me, I find it in pockets of dealing with, you know, work stuff, of course, but then the other areas of, you know, where people aren't stepping up to making things happen. I think the biggest, one of the biggest thing, uh, common, um, expressions out here is like there's nothing or nobody's doing nothing or we don't have anything and it because it's usually because nobody wants to step up and lead that whatever that charge yeah you know and and take that role on because either we don't want to we're lazy or
0: or sometimes we don't know how sometimes we don't know
2: how we, there's not, um, you know, Support something, sometimes yeah, like there's that. no structure to actually step in, like nothing's ready. So a lot of, I, I just got tired of, you know, seeing things and getting frustrated in those different pockets or whatever topic it is. Um, so now I have my hands in a lot of things, but I've learned how to balance it, you know, and so you'll see my name pop up in different, you know, areas in our reservation out here. Um, I'm involved in the school transition team uh, to this new li- Hopi skate, um, skate Hopi 264 youth group um, villages against meth and Hopi Tewa community movement. And then of course my professional role as Hopi leadership program and the Hopi foundation and so on. Oh, wow! But it's a lot, but the only way I've been uh, able to balance all of that out is by taking the position of a mentor, right? And so instead of doing all the work myself, I'm over there trying to like just lend ideas, get things started and then stepping away. And so that's one of the biggest things of um, what I've learned so far in how to take lead um, and get things done.
0: Wow, you're a lot busier than I thought. Yeah, I mean,
1: I I don't even have that type of resume. <laughs> I tell people I'm busy, but- <laughs> Right. My my thing. My resume just has push the button, push
2: the record button,
0: button and uh, make fart jokes every now and then, (laughs) and that's pretty much it. My my resume is a professional shit talker.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, and and so. You know, I'm really like today is a Saturday, right? And today I wanted to sleep in. I, I kind of like when it's time for my break, I'm just like, okay, I'm dead. I don't want to do anything. But then, of course, this is like a highlight of, of a Saturday sitting with you guys and seeing the back end of what Carl and J-Man is. It's it's amazing. And you guys are bringing light to all of these cool issues on Hopi and topics and it's more than button-pushing Carl. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, led by men. <laughs> led by men and, right? uh, and pushed have, the button by
2: a man. And you have one girl. <laughs>
0: don't, don't don't give uh, Carl any ego. I I try to uh, discourage that. But when you, were, when you were talking about, you know, kind of your experiences and uh, some of the folks that you've looked up to as mentors, that's definitely something I wanted to get into because you are right that, you know, on the national level, that there are many women leaders now that are emerging, um, specifically Native women leaders that are emerging. You mentioned um, Diane Humitiwa. Yeah. For those of you out there that may not know, she is the first American Indian woman appointed to a federal judgeship, and uh, and she ha- she holds that judgeship position in the state of Arizona. Hopi woman from Carl's Village, from uh, the village of yeah. Vela. Mm-hmm. Somebody that I've had the honor of working under. And then I think that the other person that a lot of people are talking about now is Gia'a uh, Deb. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: Deb Hanlon.
0: Deb, Deb Hallen, And then, you know, she's definitely one of our uh, relatives from the Pueblo tribes. And mm-hmm. so I think that, you know, the fact that you have these Native women that are in prominent position is probably a reason as to why now you see more people talking about matriarchs and, you know, giving those power to those women. And so, you know, between the two of you, why, why do you think that our women have been able to uh, get into these positions?
2: Because we, I think we've made ourselves relevant. Um, I I was like trying to comprise like, you know, where this movement has gone and, um, you know, bless the matriarch. I, I have heard it before, but, you know, I think outside, I wanted to comment on that, is outside trending, like, you know, themes and and quotes and stuff like that usually happen outside and is is Mm -hmm. done in an Mm -hmm. urban setting because they can see outside and just how. And privilege, I mean, not privilege, but they um, hold home as in a certain standard and a light and here we're living it, right? We don't necessarily have that perspective because we're so inner in depth and intertwined living the life here so um that's why i was like what i've never heard of blessed Major." <laughs> and then i was like oh well anyway so i think because we women of native you know background and culture are in these positions is because somebody before them made their presence relevant they saw the, you know um just how much a man you know um voice and experience and you know how intellectually we have um you know we can uh, approach things and you know i i think and i'm so proud of where we are you know in in department of interior right where Mm -hmm. native people we are in a Depart- under a department that is you know that doesn't even talk about humanity it's it's all animal and land right and then we have natives stuck in there and then you have our very own to lead the charge um, so I, I really think that it's probably because somebody made her presence relevant before she stepped in
1: so like you know with all of that power and all of that thing comes that controversy where where it states that you know Hopis were never supposed to be in in a behind the position. Mm-hmm. Uh, women, especially, were not supposed to be in that position there, and that kind of plays that controversy is like uh, like women that are going off the reservation to become uh, like judges or like in deputy. What is it, Department of Interior and and all of that? Then that come it becomes to where they're not doing their Hopi. Uh,
2: role there. That's
0: true. That's true. Right. Because uh, uh, subsequently you're sacrificing whatever responsibilities that you have for your clan, for your home, for your village to undertake a lot of these, Things to be in these professional positions
2: yeah but i think also on the other hand of that is you have we i I don't think women intentionally do that you know in a nefarious you know way Yeah, yeah they're doing it in hopes that they can you know lend a voice from their people and and native country overall in these positions and so i you know it's really hard to kind of Bring um, relevance to some of those decisions to real, to, you know, to men or or a people that are really trying to hold on to to language and to way of oh, yeah, life and yeah. stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. but I also think that there's a place for us and in as long as we can do it with balance, you know, and I definitely think that these women in these positions, they don't leave their identity at the doorstep. I was so like, you know, Deb was over there with her manta. Like mm-hmm. she, she went and she is carrying her people with her on her sleeve, you know, literally on her. And, um, you know, I I really I don't know. You know, we can go so, on and I, on and about like the reasons and finding balance there, and all
1: that. There was uh, that that controversy. No it, questions about exploiting culture, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> there was that. There was that controversy in uh, like the, the different schools. And uh, okay, so this is going to be a story here, and uh, I hope get, it's not
0: about peeling potatoes and. <laughs> learning how to cook potatoes for the first time because goddamn last time you told that story took half the episode.
1: <laughs> it was relevant
0: to the conversation. It was, it was it relevant. Was I
1: told you it was relevant. <laughs> tell, let me tell my story, okay? <laughs> All right, so in in part of the news, remember there was uh, that Native Americans could not dress in their native attire oh, that's right. yep, that's uh, right. during graduations. And right. I said that, yeah, don't dress as as a Native American because you're not. You're not going to a Native American school, you're going to a Bahana school where Bahana attire is required there right. even though you you have that that mindset of saying that I want to keep my culture alive. you should have kept it alive. At your own place there. Whoa. <laughs> it's not to where, it's not to where. Carl used to work for a boarding school. I so, know, you know, he's
2: like boarding superintendent <laughs> over here.
1: No, no, no. Okay. So like, you know, the reservation is is an isolated place here, right? right? And our culture is practiced here. Our, our most deep secrets are kept here. Mm-hmm. But when you exploit it on the outside world, that means that you're just showing off to the to the outside world, there saying that this is who I want to be here, and and you know if I go to a Pahanna school and the dress re- code required me to like uh, like cut right. off my hair and do that, I'm going to go gladly accept because it's their rules there. You know if they come to the reservation.
0: It's going to be our rules here, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I I, I think that, you know, what you're saying, it sounds ugly on the face of it, but I think that internally we do that oftentimes because then, you know, I've had experience in places like medical schools of places of where, you know, you consider uh, where you walk through the doors where you think of it's this upper high highest of level of professionalism where you do see our people putting on suits you do see our people getting those high top Mm -hmm. fades um wearing you know the aldos or you know wearing wherever it's out so i i do think that you know that does happen, but you do definitely have folks out there that do want to represent and and wear their regalia in different spaces and such.
2: I think that by coming into those spaces, you're disrupting it and you're reclaiming just by the mere fact of wearing your traditional clothes in such a non-Hopi space that you're disrupting all of that. And you're in whether it's comfortable for you or for, you know, not you, but for the for the space itself, you're breaking those barriers and you're breaking the, you know, this institutional institution. I know. And is that our role to do that? No, but it's, you know, if it's, I think it's really up to the individual and honestly, wherever their low, you know, in graduation may be, that is native land. Like I, I really honestly think that. It it is native. So even though it's Phoenix, you know, that's the land of the, you know, the yeah, yeah. river people. And,
1: yeah, I, I, I still understand that. I still understand that, yeah, this is our land. This is what we want to do right. here. But that's not our that's not our place to do it with. Like, you know, if it was you, a... You mean it's not our thing. It's not our thing to do. It's not our thing to exploit in a way. You know, Hopi should stay on the Hopi here, on the reservation, rather than saying that, uh, you know, this is our land here, and then I want to claim it back by dressing up in a way no, where... No, that's
2: not what I'm saying either. And then I, I think by you wearing it, you're not necessarily sharing the secrets or or exploiting Hopi at, at, you know, by wearing your traditional clothes at a graduation, say in Phoenix, right? I think by the mere fact of you wearing your, your, you know, clothing there, you're bringing your identity into that space, whereas leaving all of that, where it should be here at home. I'm trying to say two things, but I get what you're saying is that, you know, it's it's not a Hopi space. Yeah. And so. this is
0: what happens when Carl drives the car. <laughs> As I mentioned before, Carl doesn't know how to drive straight. But it, it does give and, that
1: it does give that concept. It, it does give that that context of to where like, you know, maybe like Deb Helen shouldn't wear her manta because it is a part of the United States America. And that was created for
0: white men only. Right, and to reclaim that there, and in means- past episodes, folks know where Carl's phone number is. And, you know, as I mentioned before, that Carl's perspective is his perspective, and does not represent everybody here at the Carl J Man Save the World. Okay, podcast. so
1: so what I'm saying and is, Carl, if I could take the wheel back, no, no, okay, and well, then drive this conversation. Okay, okay, well, back. okay. Let Let me make one more point here. It's that I hope it's about potatoes. <laughs> no, the reason why I- I'm saying that is because you know, yes. You know, the white man created a government there. White man created something for himself, mm-hmm. right? And to to go back and doing that creates, uh, you know, just like um, I'm I'm special here. I'm like like you know, I want to create this specialness around myself here in a white setting, white man setting there. And I mean, like, if I go over there with you know with a traditional attire, I'm gonna look that. I'm gonna be looked at weirdly. Because I don't have I don't hold power. I don't hold anything like that. Oh, but she
2: does and
1: with I know, but that that's the mere
2: um, wearing of her manta and clothing is she is reclaiming that power and in that position she's she's you know, just by her wearing that is a statement that I'm here. I'm from this, yeah. You know, the, my indigenous people, yeah. And I, I congratulate her with that.
0: Yeah, when Carl shows up to the big function in his regalia, he's wearing a g-string, <laughs>
1: which and is I, a I, you know, I, I,
0: can, I, I, can, I, congratulate her for doing
1: that. And I, I, you know, I wish that it, it is a Native American. You're, you're not going to win this
0: argument, Mister mm-hmm. okay, okay. give okay. me the wheel back. Okay, give me wait, 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 the wheel back.
1: One more thing. No. Uh, One more thing here. It's
2: like one more comment.
1: (laughs) I I thank her for doing that. I thank her for creating uh, a gateway for Native Americans to become in that general power, but still in that way, that wasn't created for us. That was never created for us. Government works because it works for them. It works because it was created exactly for the white man. It was never created for, of course not, yeah, for Native America. But, you, think, but to re, but to change it in that way means changing the entirety of America. There,
2: as it should. Of right? course, it
1: should it's, change. It's but, about
2: damn time you know, that we have <laughs> one of our own in there and can influence, you know, better changes and policies that hopefully will trickle down and actually make. And impact mm-hmm, and a mm-hmm, freaking difference. Mm-hmm.
1: For yeah, us. I, I I hope that in the and in, we,
2: whether we like it or not, we freaking live in the government run. Oh yeah, land. yeah, and yeah. and so I don't know that I guess that's the whole like if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing. But I honestly think that she's there to make changes, and we mm-hmm, have to trust mm-hmm. that. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I
1: you know I, I congratulate her on that. And way. So <laughs> well, thank you, thank you for that. Sure. You know that that. That insight there, and and thank you for that uh, that whole uh, thing because it. I guess I do think of just the village mindset where it's like you know, village is just a small place, and we should just become, you know, just be Hopi basically.
2: I, I get yeah. that, and that that's what I'm saying is that I gotta contribute to and and give thanks to the stronghold. Yeah. And God, if we didn't have a stronghold, you know, where would we be? So I appreciate that.
0: And I do. I appreciate all of Mm -hmm. that. And so if I can take back the wheel from uh, Mr. BIE over here. um, (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, um, and so I think that, you know, one of the thoughts that I had, at least in terms of the topic of the episode, is that I think that when you think about the differences between women and men, that you really see it when you're a parent. That you really see it if you're somebody that has raised girls and has raised young boys, that you really see the differences in terms of the perspectives of how each gender grows up. Okay. Because I am a father of both girls and I have a son and you see how the girls are in terms of how they carry themselves how they approach things like school, how they approach other types of projects, because, you know, I'm very fortunate, you know, the fact that my girls are very smart, that they're about school, they like school, that they do approach it with sincerity. But then my son, you know, he's quite the opposite that, you know, and he'd rather do things like break things or, you mm-hmm. know, play with toys a little bit more disruptive. And so I think that in, in that way is kind of where you see this different ideology of genders, of how they approach things. And so, you know, especially when you get older and that, you know, you see women and then you see how they carry themselves, that they definitely think more in a way. And I think that men are definitely more direct.
2: Yeah, I want to interject there. I mean, you said earlier in the show that, you know, there's reasons why Hopi men are did not consider women in leadership and that it's, you know, sort of taboo for Hopi um, or contradict, you know, our social and cultural structures out here. And so I think one of the reasons I heard is that we are very emotional beings, Mm -hmm. right. And Mm -hmm. that we, alongside the reasoning around um, being precious and looked after, you know, we bear the children, we are the fire keepers, you know, that I've heard that before in, um, You know, I also think that women today, because of change in time, I I really try to, you know, keep in that, um, I guess, keep in consideration of the of where we've come from as a people and where we are today and. You know, I I'm careful in those choices of taking on leadership roles. I do get the sense that I am going to be criticized. I am going to be looked at for my you know history, you know personal history, and so I wear my you know alcohol you know uh, freedom in in sobriety on my sleeve, you know, and um, you know I'm not afraid of you know owning where I've gone wrong and stuff like that. So I think what you know, women, you know, moving forward in, in leadership roles out here, you know, you're seeing more and more of it. And, you know, like you said, um, Justin, that, you know, you do are raising women or girls, future women. And, you know, you, I know you would always support them in the roles um, that they will play in, in for our people out here. So I think, you know, we're, you know, Hopi are progressive. We grow. Oh, yeah. They've, they've, every turn of the the centuries or every turn of, um you know, something happening or they're faced with, they persevere and they grow. And so I think that's where we are today.
0: Mm-hmm. And I definitely think that that plays out and you see it playing out, the fact that women might take certain things more seriously. Like I mentioned education or certain opportunities, because as we were talking, I kind of had this thought that popped into my head that outside of my culinary um, work experience, every single supervisor I've had were all women. Right. And like I mentioned before, the fact that I did get to work under um, Diane Humitiwa, who I have tons and tremendous amounts of respect for the way that she carried herself the work ethic that she has and the fact that all these women have been a part of educating me and teaching me how to lead shows the fact that they've also carried those same attributes and virtues as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you,
1: to thank all of the women out there trying to uh, go further on with not just the culture itself, but further on in a Bahana world is, is something daunting and is something that none of us would would want to do and it to to have that honor to do that it's something where these women here want to do uh to do that for not for themselves but i guess for their for their families and for their clanship and right. for the for the people that they do care about.
2: Exactly. And I think I find myself as well as looking at others, you know, through social media, you know, or, you know, just personal conversation of how women are up late. Yeah. Because the, our our days are so extended. And, I, and I'm sure it's like that for you guys. I don't know what you do with your time.
0: I'm in bed by 9 o'clock I'm every day. I'm sure you are, <laughs> you know,
2: but as women and working women or women in leadership roles, I think... I think all women are in some sort of leadership, oh, whether yeah. they're a mom running a household or, you know, in, in their career or whatever. So, you know, I see that and, and man, it's, it's because they aren't doing it for themselves. No, oh, no. They're not no. beating themselves, you know, wreck it. So I, I know it's for a good, a better um, outside uh, cause.
0: And so uh, Sam talking about like, you know, cause we've talked about your experiences growing up as a leader, Um, But thinking about like those younger girls that we've mentioned, our daughters, folks that we've come across, what do you see that's going on, whether that's here on the Hopi reservation or off the reservation that are helping these young girls get into these positions to be in these leadership positions?
2: Wow. So I think on a a national network, like in native country, there's different um, organizations, all led by nonprofit work, right? Oh, I just mm-hmm, super mm-hmm. appreciate the nonprofit world and especially in native country. But you have things like the Imagine Network. Um, Imagine Network is in different pockets of different native communities focusing on girl projects. And so they're raising and they're giving it back to the um community members themselves, the women leaders, to try to come up with ways to empower and raise these girls in culture, in language, and empowering them in other avenues. There's things like that happening on the level. And then, of course, you know, out of COVID, these ideas have been born because of, you know, the detriments of, you know, isolation and, you know, closures and stuff like that. So, that's what I've seen most recently. And then here locally for Hopi, you have, you know, different God, there's, you know, the, the Hopi leadership program to the, um, different school systems. I mean, the schools, we don't give them credit enough, but they are doing amazing things on, on the school level, um, with, with the teachers and the support staff there. Um, and whether that's cultural revitalization through, um, language classes and, not culture revitalization, but like language and, and creative ways of um, educating our kids here. I want to give those guys credit, you know. And then there's um, also, uh, gosh, the different um, programming at nonprofits here. I can't think off the top of my head, but they're doing a phenomenal job. And I'm not just doing that plug for the, for my <laughs> place of work, but really there's other organizations out here doing amazing things.
0: Perfect. definitely a lot yeah. of opportunities out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before we go,
1: uh is there anything that you want to say to young girls out there, give advice to uh just just to encourage them in a way that, yeah, this is this is yeah. not just a man's world here.
2: Oh, God no. We're here and we're staying and we're going to probably be growing and and they're just, y'all, y'all are just going to have to, you know, make room <laughs> and make way for us. So, no, um, one of the concepts that I've learned in the work of Indigenous education, um, particularly here in Hopi, is this concept of that's called empowerment. It's different than empowerment. Empowerment is how you draw motivation and, um, you know, from within yourself because, At the end of the day, I, you know, when I'm laying there at night and I'm like mulling over all these things that I have in my hands, I I have the most amazing people outside of me that I can look at for empowering. But at the end of the day, I have to do a lot of self positive talk. And that's where empowerment comes from, is finding that empowerment from yourself yourself to keep yourself pushing forward. And so that, that's my last message of, um, you know, res girls rising to any issues, topics, opportunities, um, you know, and and to, to make a difference, you know, and that we, I hope that you will step in to those positions, um, looking at, you know, not just the immediate family members in your household but looking outside at people that look exactly like you from your maybe village clan, whatever that you have those people um, besides yourself to keep you going.
1: All right. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that.
0: And just so listeners know, I did recommend that we bring uh, a female on as a third and Carl said, no. So (laughs) (laughs) he said, and I quote, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) <laughs> no but you know uh, you know all of
1: that that conversation there is just to create that balance of not just one-sidedness but just to look at both sides of how how Hopi functions and how Hopi thinks uh, especially on real like real in the village kind of thinking like so you know i we, Thank our guest here for joining us and thank you for her perspective views on, on how Hopi women or how Native American women out there are actually be gaining a lot of the, the power
0: that is lost throughout Native America. Taking that power back away from BIA guys like Carl. (laughs) And so definitely we'd like to thank you all for joining us this week for episode of Carl and J-Man. Don't forget, if you're not following us on our social media accounts, you can find us at Carl and J-Man all across the board on our Facebook Instagram Twitter if you're listening to us on YouTube don't forget to smash that like button subscribe we got a lot of brand new content coming via the YouTube channel oh yeah and then also too if you're listening to us on Apple Google Spotify wherever you listen to podcasts don't forget to give us a five-star review we definitely appreciate that And if you want to donate to Carl and J-Man Save the World Podcast,
1: go to anchor.fm slash cjpodcast85 to donate and become our monthly donor. Or if you want to just buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash cjpodcast and just to donate $1 or buy us a cup of coffee. So thank you again, everybody uh, joining us here today. My name is Carl, and this is my best friend, J-Man.
0: So long. Qua, qua.